Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I was 18 years old and on my way home to California on summer break after my sophomore year of college. I had a nine hour car ride ahead of me and stocked up on energy drinks, soda and snacks for the ride home. I left school late after dinner with friends and planned on driving into the night. I'm making good time and I'm around three or so hours from home which was Yuba City at the time. I'm an hour outside of Reno and on a lonely stretch of road when it happened. I suddenly get the urge to pee. Those energy drinks I chugged are coming back to haunt me and I kick myself in the butt for not stopping when I had gassed up 45 minutes before. But I saw a sign that advertised a rest stop coming up and so I drove the few miles to the sign and then pulled in. Parked in the parking lot was a ratchet looking sedan and on the other side of the lot a sprinter type van. I quickly got out and hurriedly jogged to the restroom before I peed myself. I was flushing when... I heard someone enter and I froze. Now, I'm in decent physical shape and I work out quite often, but for a guy, I'm on the smaller side. I'm only 5'7 and I'm about 160 pounds. So I'm bracing myself for Michael Myers type crap when I open the door and see uh, an average Joe looking guy and he looked up and gave me a friendly smile and then stepped over to the urinal. I wash my hands and was getting ready to leave when he starts talking. His voice was gravelly and low, so I couldn't hear him the first time. Hey, uh, you like dogs, man? He asked as he washed his hands. He was wearing those coverall mechanics wear and he had grease stains on it. 
and my creeper meter started beeping. I shot him a friendly smile and said to him as I left the bathroom, Yeah, man, dogs are cool. And well, that was the wrong thing to say because he comes following me out the door almost on my heels. Hey, uh, I got a new puppy. Want to see him? He's real cute. And now I'm freaking out. The keys are in my hand and my cell phone is in the other. I called back to him in a shaky voice. Uh, no thanks. Uh, I gotta get going, okay? I'm getting into the car when he grabs the door trying to open it wider. And the dude was strong. And he's a good few inches smaller than me too. I start my car and put my phone to my ear and what he said next caused me to almost crap my pants. Time the cops get here you'll already be dead. And with that I kicked at his stomach and then goodness it connected. He let go of the door and fell on his butt. I then locked the doors and screeched the hell out of the rest stop. I saw him scramble for his car but I didn't stay around to watch. I took off like a bat out of hell. I was a nervous wreck for the next three hours thinking that he was going to follow me home and finish me off. When I got home, I told my dad who had stayed up to wait for me what happened, but he talked me out of calling the authorities. I made sure to take an entire different route when I went back to school in the fall, and because of that, I've never stopped at another rest stop ever again. And I don't intend to anymore. About 15 years ago, I lived in Sulphur, Oklahoma. My playground, the Chickasaw National Recreational Area, and I loved that park so much. I rode more miles on my bike there than anywhere else. I've walked nearly every trail and rode every road pretty much. Every day, I would ride my mountain bike up and down the trails and would be home by nightfall most days. One night, however, I had rode out a bit further than usual. On my way back, however, I decided to ride the trail from an area known as Buffalo Springs where they have live buffalo roam and there's a large spring fountain there for all to enjoy. As I was riding back, I knew the end of the trail was coming up and I would have to cross a stone bridge across the creek and then up the road to my home. It was dark at the time and all I had to use to see was the full moon. I was maybe a few hundred yards from it when I got a sharp pain in my left thigh. I stopped and looked around to see what just hit me. And then I heard a noise sounding like something hitting the ground hard in front of me. There was a rock about the size of a baseball just rolling across the trail. And there was a rock about the size of a baseball rolling across the trail. Me, confused, starts to look up at the side of this hill. And just as I turn my head to look, I almost fall off my bike when another rock comes flying down and hitting my front wheel. I finally have my eyes adjust to look and see someone very tall and dark and covered in hair at the top of the hill, throwing things at me and screaming. I yelled at the person that I had a cell phone and I was going to call the police. I didn't actually have one as I didn't have a cell phone yet, but this seemed to piss it off and he started charging down the hill at me. I, for obvious reasons, light up bike and I just took off. Just as I crossed the bridge, I heard a huge splashing noise in the creek and I saw a huge rock that had been thrown in there. I wasn't the clear to go home at this point, but I was frightened all the way there. I went to a ranger station later the next morning and told a ranger that I knew there about what happened. And he says, So, you were attacked by Bigfoot, snidely laughing. I say, I don't know what it was, but something was trying to hurt me out there. 
He says, Okay, Justin, if I have any more Bigfoot, I'll let you know what we get. I just said fine at this and left. The very next week, I was riding again in the daylight when the ranger pulled up next to me and said for me to get in. I asked why, and he said that he needed to show me something. We headed to the police department in town, and before we got out of the car, he turns to me and says, Justin, I have to give you a huge apology. I'll be honest that I didn't believe you when you told me that story that you'd been attacked. However, it's come to my attention that a couple was out in the same area last night and was attacked in the same way, saying that they'd seen a huge, large, hairy creature throwing rocks and sticks and screaming at them. They called the police and they came out with some of the other rangers, including myself, and I immediately thought about what you had told me. When we arrived and started up the hill, sure enough, we were having rocks and things thrown at us. Guns drawn and yelling, two officers tackled a man to the ground. He was 6'5 tall, naked, covered in mud and had long hair and a large beard. He had escaped from the Veterans Center across Veterans Lake, and apparently he thought he was back in Vietnam and was trying to take out the enemy. And the ranger also said that I was really lucky because he was trying to kill me. We went inside so that I could give the police my statement as to what had happened. They had him sent to a more secure facility somewhere else, and to this day I still get the shivers when I hike that trail, and I always keep my eyes on the ridgetop. My great-grandfather was from northern Tennessee. He and most of my family have been known to be too nice to others. He would give the shirt off his back to pretty much anyone in need, and when he moved him and his wife and kids, they came through Little Rock, Arkansas, and my great-grandpa enjoyed a game of poker in a saloon and won the pot. It had a deed to a small home and an orchard in the Kiamichi Mountains in southeastern Oklahoma, and he loaded everyone up and moved there. My grandpa was born three months premature. My great-grandma was six months pregnant and went outside to pick pears off the tree in the front yard and while doing so, she went into labor and out popped this tiny thing that would become my grandpa. They said that he was so tiny that he slept the first several weeks in a shoebox. The doctor said that he didn't think that he'd survive, but seeing him playing in the front yard one year later, he said, well, I think the boy just might make it. But anyway, on to the story. So, in 1924, my great-grandpa had been asked several times by different people to sell the land and the house that he and his family lived on. The land was worth a deal of money, as it had a very fertile ground for that region, and the house was a decent-sized house, plus the orchard and whatnot. The great-grandpa and great-grandma didn't want to sell the land, though. They just loved it too much. But there was one person, though, that made several attempts to not only talk my great-grandpa into selling, but even tried to take my great-grandma away from my great-grandpa. He had a big crush on her, to say the least. And one day, he came to the house just before sundown, and this is what I was told went down. But there was knocking on the door, and my great-grandpa said, Oh, hey, how can I help you? The guy said hi to my great-grandpa, and then my great-grandma, waving at her and then said that I wanted to talk here to my great-grandpa about selling the land to me. I would give you all a great deal of money for it. My great-grandpa told the guy that he was not interested in selling the land, but then said, being it's so late, have you eaten anything for supper? The guy said, no, I haven't, I'm famished. 
Great-grandpa then said, well, great-grandma has some beans in the pot and fresh cornbread in the oven. Like I said, I'm not interested in selling, but I'm always willing to listen, so come on in and have a seat. They both came in and sat down in the living room and talked a bit about the course of the land and other such things. The guest then asked where the bathroom was and my great-grandpa told him through the kitchen and out the back door you'll see the outhouse. The man left and went out the back door and he came in a few minutes later. The whole family was in the living room as he could see walking into the kitchen area. My great-aunt then says, excuse me sir, what you doing? And she was like eight at the time. He says, oh hi and I'm just putting some salt in the beans. My great-aunt then says, but Ma has done this. He then says, oh well, I thought it just needed a little more. Great aunt just said okay, then went off to the living room, and the man just stirred the pot a few times and walked into the living room where he and my great-grandpa talked a bit more about whatever. A few minutes later, and great-grandpa says, hey, great-grandma, I think them beans and cornbread are done, why not get a bowl? My great-grandma got up and went to the kitchen, cutting a big slice of cornbread and putting it down on a fresh bowl of beans and placed the bowl in front of the man. The man said, well thank you very much but I'm not actually that hungry. You all go ahead and have a bowl and I'll just wait till I get home. And it was at this point that my great grandpa pulls out from under the table that they were sitting next to a Colt revolver and simply said, them beans are especially for you. Now you're going to eat them beans aren't you? And the man turned white. So what did he do? Well, the man ate the whole bowl, and my great-grandpa then, a little after seeing him finish the bowl, told him to leave. By the time that he walked out that door, he was sweating and pretty much looked dead already and went to stand up and fell over, dead on the floor. My great-grandpa took the man's body and loaded it into the truck and took it to town to the local sheriff and told him that my great-aunt came into the living room and told my great-grandpa she had seen the man putting something into the beans and stir it in. Great-grandpa knew that something was wrong immediately and was ready, but the doctor said that it was arsenic poisoning. Not long after that, the three of the 18 kids that they had got really sick too and they died from the flu. They buried their kids and didn't want anyone else of their family to die, so they left to southern Oklahoma where they lived out the rest of their lives. My grandpa died in 1998 and we buried his ashes under the same pear tree where my great-grandmother gave birth to him. The house was burned down before they left to make sure that the disease was dead. There is little left of the site but sometimes when I go there and see it, I always thank God that my great-grandpa was a smart enough man to know when danger was near and saved my life in the process. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, 
which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This happened today and it really messed with me. I've been thinking about it all day and all evening. So I took my five-year-old son and a three-month-old daughter to the playground today to meet a friend and her daughter. It's got regular playground equipment, a huge parking lot, and a big grassy area and trees around the play area. On the other side of the trees is some sort of development thing that they're working on. The area that this school is in is pretty rural. It's just a bunch of twisty roads and random buildings. I've never really thought about or noticed this until today as well. We get to the park and meet up with my friend. Another mum that we know is there with two girls too and the only other people there is a dad with a little girl and a boy that looked to be somewhere between 10 and 12 I'd say. So the mums are all sitting, just chatting, playing with my adorable daughter, having a good time. The kids are playing together, everything is good. Eventually all the kids from our group kind of wander off through the playground doing their own thing. The seesaws are in the shady area, next to them is a big stretch of grass then the trees with the semi-developed area are behind that. My son wants to seesaw, but nobody wants to do it with him, so I get up to go and help him, and the tennis-year-old boy comes over and says, Hi, do you want me to play with him? Which was a little strange that he asked me and not my son, but I said, Sure, bud, go ahead. So he gets on the other side and starts seesawing with him, and his demeanor was just so strange. He didn't smile, his voice was completely flat. He didn't say a word to my son, he just seesawed with him. My son was oblivious and chatting away at him, and after a few minutes I started walking back to my bench and I hear the boy start talking with my son. Okay, so maybe he's just shy around grown-ups. I sit down and start talking to my friends and the dad walks near us to probably go up to his car and I say, hey, it was really sweet of your son to offer to play with mine and smile at him. He then looks at me and goes, he's not my son, I don't know who he is. He walked over and asked if I wanted him to play with my daughter and then just kind of followed us around until you guys got here. He sort of laughed like weird, right? And then just shook his head. I got a very uneasy feeling in my stomach and looked over to the seesaws, and when I did, they were gone. I jumped up, hand my daughter to my friend, and run into that direction yelling my son's name. I see them walking, almost to the trees. The trees are not close, I'd guess a, a football field or so away from the play area. And when I see them, I get this awful feeling and run as fast as I could yelling my son's name. He turned around and started trying to walk to me and the little boy grabs his arm and tries to pull him toward the trees. He gets upset and starts saying, hey, let go of me. Now usually, this is not a quality about my son that brings me anything but trouble, but he does not like to be grabbed, pushed or pulled and he has ADHD, so when he gets frustrated, it usually comes out in aggressive ways. And boy, was I so thankful for this today. He starts punching the boy and headbutting him like a little crazy person and the boy lets go as I get to them and runs to the trees. My friends are finally realizing that something is going on so they're standing at the edge of the play area looking confused. 
My son is crying. I'm shaking. I don't know what the hell just happened. I asked my son where he was going, and he said that his friend wanted to take him to see Ryan from Ryan Toy Reviews. It's his favorite YouTube channel, and he talks about it nonstop. He told the boy about Ryan, and apparently the boy told him that he knew where Ryan lived, and did my son want to go and visit him and play? So, of course, my son said yes. I don't know what the intention was, but it was a kid. I don't understand why he would lie to my son, and why he wanted him to go into the woods. Why he was just so weird. Maybe he was innocent, but I don't think it was. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. I'm an older teen from Cathedral City, Cali. I don't imagine that there'd be any other Redditors here with the same experience, but... I'd like to put it out there. I'm a former, as of this incident anyway, street artist. I'd rather not dwell on the details of this subject since I'm no longer involved, so I'll just try and get to the story. So all of this took place late last year and involves me and my friends. After racking paint from a local supermarket, me and my friend Devin headed down a long road that split a couple of miles down the city to the highway. Just before the turn off to the highway is a car mall, and beside that car mall is a wash. Assuming that some of you aren't from Cali, a wash is a big drain system that's several feet wide and tall to suck up water and push it down the sewer or wherever the hell it goes. This is a necessity since during the winter and the fall months, all of the rainwater comes directly to us from the right beside the mountains. There's even a dam just beside this wash too. But to get back to the story though, we drove down to the strip club which is just down that same street to park Devon's car. This place is open almost all night since, well, it's a strip club. We got out and walked from here to the wash, a short walk, and we didn't have to jump the fence with the no trespassing sign since homeless people had already made their own makeshift entrance. We slid down the side of the sloping wash on our jeans with plenty of patches. This had not been our first time in the wash system. This part of the wash system was right beside the dam and had perfect real estate for tagging and piecing. After we finished what we came for, which didn't take too long, Devon told me that we should go inside the tunnel section so that we can get more spots. I didn't think much of it since most of my concerns are related to the police and not the paranormal. So we head inside and move in deep, surprised with just how long it is. Devon finally sits down his backpack and takes out his spray cans. And it was just at this moment that we heard something. Something so loud that it practically shook the whole ground. 
Being in Southern Cali, we thought it was just an earthquake and began to pack up our things before even getting started, just in case anything caved in or whatever. But that was when we turned around and saw what we saw. The roof of the cement pipe that we traveled through was about 9 to 10 feet tall, and what we saw was crouching just to move inside of it. It was a man who was butt naked, pale as anything, and wearing a terrible dollar store Halloween mask. I didn't have the capability within my own mental integrity to scream or say anything. Where we were positioned was a long winding turn, and we couldn't tell if he was looking at us or not. I covered my mouth though and backed up the other way, eager. Devon backed up along with me slowly and quietly till we could no longer see him. He turned to me and whispered that he was going to get his phone out and take a picture. I told him that what we needed to do was get the hell out of here. We talked fast and frantically, asking each other if it was related to the earthquake and settled on the fact that it most likely wasn't. I could hear a deep breathing coming from down the tunnel before we just began speed walking at a quiet pace, hoping to flee from this giant dude wearing a creepy bat, albeit cheap, looking mask. We ended up coming out of the other exit, passing a couple of sleeping bags on the floor that most likely belonged to a homeless person. I began to become lightheaded, most likely from the shock or just being so freaked the hell out. Once we saw the exit though, we just began to run. Pushing over the sand and onto the empty basin beside the dam, we walked up and over the side of the dam's basin until we found ourselves on the highway that I mentioned before. We crossed without much worry since it was super late and nobody was on the road. Nothing else happened that night and nothing else nearly as strange has happened to me ever since then. I'm not really the type of guy to get super involved in ghosts or whatever that was, other than listening to the occasional scary story, but... This has made me start thinking more about things that I just can't explain. I thought I'd share it with you guys to see what you think, but if you live in the area and have experienced anything similar, please comment or at least to let me know. I'm trying my best to find anyone who knows anything about this, so if you're a paranormal investigator or someone who just kind of understands things like this and is able to debunk it as some kind of trick that others may have played on me and my friend, please do shed some light. I'm kind of looking for any excuse to think of this as anything other than what it appeared to me as. Also, I'm really sorry for poor storytelling skills. I, I don't get a lot of this type of thing going on and... I'm not the wordy type, but I felt as if others should know just in case anyone relates or can help me out with understanding what this was. Thanks for listening and all the names are fake to protect my friends too. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Last night, my wife and I made a typical trip to our local Walmart. Generally, we go between 1 and 3 a.m. I'm a bit of a night owl by nature and have a long-standing aversion to busy stores during the day. A long story involving a hold-up too. 
But our local Walmart, which is on the access road of a major interstate highway, is the newest in our area and generally considered safe. A few notes to start off with too. The particular area of Texas that my wife and I live in is commonly known for being an area frequented by sex traffickers. It's so bad that the city has put up billboards, since our county recently had a large prostitution bust involving women who were victims of trafficking and johns with occupations ranging from local pastors to deputy sheriff, elected officials on the city council, big business owners, and one of my clients that is now a former client, since he got himself involved with all of that. There's a particular area of our town that most know not to venture in at night, especially if you're a female. Ironically, or unironically I suppose, this bad area is adjacent to a large university. However, my wife and I lived in the suburbs on the south side of town which is generally considered safe and is well patrolled by the local police department. We have two Walmarts in town, one in the bad area and a new one built in our suburb. The Walmart that we went to last night is the new one located a couple of miles from our house. Also, I should probably mention that my wife is 27, but looks around 19 or 20. She's an attorney that teaches deadly force, castle doctrine, and situational awareness, and handgun safety to women throughout our area. She's been involved in martial arts since she was five, has a license to carry a handgun, and routinely carries a Sigmark 25 in her purse. In short, she's well trained for detective dicey situations. So my wife drove our truck to Walmart and I sat in the back working on correcting an issue with one of my mobile radios. I'm a ham radio operator. She parked in a well-lit area near the 24-hour entrance as usual. As typical for the hours that we go to Walmart, the parking lot was mostly empty, except for the employees who parked near the same entrance. As soon as my wife put the truck into park, a newer grey Kia SUV pulled in sideways almost blocking my wife from driving forward any further. A woman in her late 20s, looking like she was under the influence of drugs or something, stared at my wife for a few seconds, got out of the SUV, ran over to the driver's side window and started knocking on the window. My wife, being skeptical of any encounter like this, barely cracked the window to see what the woman wanted. Hey, sorry to bother you, but I really need your help. That woman over there, she needs a jump and I'm afraid to go by myself. She pointed to a dark area of the parking lot where a newer Honda Accord was parked with no lights on. My wife then said, Uh, sorry, but we don't have any jumper cables. But I'll call the police for you if you're afraid. No, no, no. I need your help. It'll be quick. I just need your help for a few minutes. Does that man have jumper cables? How do you know him? I'm just trying to make sure that you're not going into a dangerous situation yourself. Oh, uh, he's got jumper cables, I'm sure. I just need your help, now, please. Apparently, the crazy woman didn't notice me in the back seat, so I figured that it was time to make my presence known. Listen, lady, my wife told you we'll call the police for you. We'll be happy to wait here in this area until they get here. But for our safety and yours, please just go back to your car and wait, alright? No, I don't need a damn man involved. Women need to stick together. Come on, honey. I'm scared and need your help. I'd help you out if you were in this situation. I'm not going anywhere with you. I don't know you and I'm certainly not walking into a situation that I know sounds like a setup. You don't understand. I just need you to make sure I'm safe while he jumps his car. I need you over there now. 
There's a man one row over that parked right around the same time as us. Why didn't you ask him for help? She then begins shrieking, I need your help. I called the police, let them know what was going on and told them that we needed an officer ASAP. My wife rolled up the window but the crazy woman kept standing around our truck screaming and pointing for my wife to roll down the window again. Sick of this crap and probably against my better judgment, I must admit, I got out of the truck and told this woman in a few colourful phrases where she could go if she didn't leave us alone. The crazy woman ran back to her SUV at this point and sped off toward the dark, unlit area of the parking lot where the newer Honda Accord was parked. I got back into the truck and told my wife to lock the doors again and be ready to get the hell out of there if the man and the woman start heading our way. While we were waiting for the police, I observed the woman park next to the Honda, roll down her window and start talking to the man. It was apparent that they were in a heated argument, but we were too far away to hear the contents of the conversation. At no point did either of them make an attempt to jumpstart the Honda, mind you. In fact, I never saw the man get out of the Honda. A couple of minutes later, a police officer showed up. I flagged him down, told him what happened, and pointed out to where the man and the woman were parked. And as soon as the first police officer started driving toward the dark area of the parking lot, the woman screeched the tires on her SUV and started hauling us toward the other entrance to the parking lot. Around the same time, the Honda that was supposedly dead just magically turned on. Fortunately, another police officer was turning at that entrance and was able to stop the woman. A third officer arrived shortly afterwards too. My wife and I went into the Walmart, did our shopping, and came out about 25 minutes later. When we got back to our truck, both the Kia and the Honda were getting towed by a tow company known to work with the local police department. I'm not sure what went down, but I assume that both the man and the woman were arrested. If the woman's behavior was any indication, she was heavily under the influence of drugs and likely had some either on her person or in the SUV. But later I asked my wife what she would have done if the crazy woman had approached her while we were walking and made an attempt to pull my wife towards the SUV and her response was, I would have knocked the crap out of her. The location is Grant Park, commonly known as Seven Bridges. It's a well-known haunted forest located in Oak Creek, WI, near the lake that is open to the public. Upon entering, you reach a chilling sign that reads, Enter this wild wood and view the haunts of nature. Urban legend has it that nobody has crossed all seven bridges at night and made it back alive, hence the name Seven Bridges. There have been numerous reports of people doing all sorts of stuff here and even murder in these woods throughout the years. People have said that you can hear the screams of the victims from deep inside the woods and the sounds of people falling and nooses stretching from tree branches. The first time I explored Grand Park was with a group of skeptical friends. I've never been a skeptic of the paranormal, so I knew what I was initially getting into, although I was not prepared. Once we arrived at the park, we parked the car and sat inside for a while talking about the stories that we'd heard about online, daring each other to cross all seven bridges alone and make it back alive. It was about 2am at the time and other than the car's headlights, it was abysmally dark. Eventually we built up the courage though to step outside and begin to enter the forest. 
we had forgot to grab flashlights, so we had no choice but to use the flashlights from our phones. We walked up to the entrance and read the sign that you're greeted with before entering, enter this wild wood and view the haunts of nature. At this point, we were hesitant to walk any further, I must admit, but we were all pretty spooked. We all reevaluated why we came here in the first place, but then we figured we're already here, so why not explore, right? Well, little did I know that this is when I'd eventually become traumatized from what I experienced. But my thoughts began to race, and I just couldn't stop thinking about all the stories that I'd heard about this place. This was the first time that I'd visit a truly haunted paranormal location at night. We began walking further through the woods, making it past the initial entrance though. It was dark and it was quiet. All you could hear was the wind and the trees moving. The only source of light that I had was from my phone. And at this point, it began to feel like my mind was playing tricks on me. I grabbed firmly onto my friend's hand and told her to stay close to me. I kept envisioning vague flashing images in my head of people hanging from the tall trees and bridges. I told my friends to stop walking for a second. I started getting just emotionally distressed is the only way I can describe it from what I was experiencing in my head. Meanwhile, my friends seemed unfazed compared to me. But my eyes began to tear up uncontrollably and all of a sudden I heard a girl scream loudly from deep inside the forest. It was a haunting, terrifying scream at which I completely freaked out and began to run towards the car, only to look backwards my friends with faces of confusion. I knew what I heard though. It was loud, it was clear, it echoed through the trees like a tree collapsing and hitting the ground. But my friends heard nothing, nothing at all. They were convinced that I was going crazy. They kept telling me that it was nothing, that my mind was playing tricks on me. But I knew exactly what I heard, and I couldn't explain it. I could hardly even speak. I refused to go back in that forest too. And that was my first and last time that I ever went there. To this day, my friends have no explanation as to why I heard that girl scream. They didn't hear anything. It's completely unexplainable from their point of view, and I never understood why or how that happened. I mean, we barely stepped foot into that forest and I was instantly greeted with the haunting scream of a tormented girl. I'm wondering too if anybody has an explanation or idea as to why I heard that scream but the four of my friends heard nothing. Still to this day, I can't figure it out. The only explanation I can think of is that maybe uh, I actually heard something paranormal. But what do you guys think? G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.